0: And on this week's show we focus on positive developments in Sierra Leone as better times could be ahead. Also we speak to Nigeria midfielder John Ogu, who tells us how things are at his club in Israel.
1: Our job we we get to move, you know. We don't know where we could we will find ourselves tomorrow. But the thing is um I'm I'm happy in Israel, I'm playing in, in one of the best club. Um I won the league there in Israel.
0: We look at the race for promotion to the English Premier League, with Newcastle United still on top of the English Championship and several African players in with a chance of going up. And in a fascinating piece of history, Stuart tells us about the South African player Albert Johansson, the man back in the 1960s who was seen as the very first of the African players in England. Albert
2: Johansson played 172 games for Leeds United in the 1960s and can really be seen as the pioneer. He is regarded as the first
0: African to play at the top level of football in England. So that's all coming up. Well, the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations only finished less than two months ago, but the qualifiers for 2019 are underway, with Madagascar, South Sudan and Comoros all winning preliminary round qualifiers to get through to the main qualifying stage. Madagascar knocked out Sao Tome. South Sudan beat Djibouti 6 2 on aggregate. And the Comoros eliminated Mauritius, who'll have to try again for the 2021 edition. The main qualifiers begin in June. A surprise in an international friendly as Africa Cup of Nations champions Cameroon were beaten 2-1 by Guinea. There was a strong indomitable Lions line-up. A Guinea member had failed to qualify for the Nations Cup in Gabon, although it was only a friendly match. Also this week, Ahmed of Madagascar started his new job as the president of the Confederation of African Football. Interestingly, the Secretary-General Hicham El-Amrani resigned the day before Ahmed took up office. And good news for listeners in Sierra Leone, as football there is set for a new start after years of problems and infighting within the Sierra Leone Football Association. The SLFA president Aisha Johansson and her biggest critics have agreed on a way for a new start for football in the country. Now, one of the major reasons for the tension between the opposing parties was the setting up of an appropriate body to investigate match-fixing allegations. This has now been resolved with the formation of an ethics body. There also been a breakaway league that wasn't recognised by the SLFA, and now the country should have strong top-flight football. Well, at the Nations Cup in Gabon earlier this year, I met Aisha Johansson, the president of the SLFA, Here's what she had to say at the time about hopes to rebuild the game in her country.
2: With the the teams, the Premier Clubs boycotting, it was rather unfortunate. Uh, My rhetoric and my stance with regards to discipline and integrity in the sport has not changed and it will not change. Um, Now they realise, thankfully, that what they did, what they were doing, um, only hurt and was detrimental to the young players. And to the nation, um, they're the ones who lost out and not Aisha. Um, so it's it's very good that um, they've decided now to come together for the good of the nation, for the good of the game and for the sake of the players as well. So really looking forward to uh, a good, cohesive, strong Premier League in the next few
0: weeks or months to come. That clip from a few weeks ago, and it proved to be true from Aisha Johansson. And also since that time, she's got a seat on the CAF executive committee, uh, boosting the profile of football in Sierra Leone. Well, Solomon, uh, certainly tough times uh, for football in Sierra Leone. Also, of course, they had to cope with the Ebola crisis. If all goes well now, what do you think Sierra Leone can achieve in the next few years? Well, Steve, I think definitely that is
3: um, such great news from the nation of Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone has been uh, through a lot, not just on the football pitch, but when you look at political platform. But it's such uh, a great news to hear that from the president of the Sierra Leone Football Association. And it is uh, indeed something that has been expected for quite a long time because Sierra Leone football for so many years now has been under ground, you know, it has been grounded in so many ways. The league has been affected in so many ways. So if you don't have a strong football league, football fans are definitely gonna be affected. And also the national team has been affected, you know. The Leon Stars uh their presence in championships like the africa cup of nations and competing in world cup qualifiers has been affected greatly and the development of players also younger players coming through that should be able to come through and perform well has also been uh, affected so it is good uh, to see that uh, sierra leone football is beginning to put its head together so it's it's a great news for uh, sierra
0: leone football Thanks, Solomon. Let's hope that there will be exciting times for listeners in Sierra Leone. They begin their 2019 Africa Cup of Nations qualifying campaign with a game at home to Kenya in June. Also, there's Ghana and Ethiopia in a tricky looking group. Now, there have been plenty of international friendlies played in the past week, as well as that Cameroon-Guinea match that I mentioned, and Nigeria were in the UK. They drew 1-1 with Senegal, and then a game scheduled against Burkina Faso didn't take place, as several Burkina players were denied visas. In the Senegal game, Musa So scored for the Taranga Lions, and then Kelechi Iheanacho equalised from the spot. On the bench there for the Super Eagles was John Ogu, who plays as a central midfielder for Israeli Premier League side Hapoel Beer Sheva. He's also played in Slovenia and Portugal. Ogu has become a regular starter for Nigeria under new coach Gernot Rohr, and he spoke about his football and his faith to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji, who first asked how life is in Israel.
1: The life for me is, is good. I mean, the football is um, also improving. But the thing is, you know, um, our job—we we get to move. You know, we don't know where we could—we will find ourselves tomorrow. But the thing is, um, I'm I'm happy in Israel. I'm playing in in one of the best club. Um, I won the league there in Israel, and and I have the chance to win the league this year also. But um, you know, life for me in Israel is good. You know, but that still don't mean that I'm not looking for other challenges. You know, so I have to play in top leagues, you know, because for me, as a football player, I'm always open for challenges, so um, I don't know what the future has for me, but, but presently in Israel, I'm, you know, I'm having a good time.
2: Nigerians and, of course, Africans who say Israel is the land, the holy land. They don't even talk about the football, they only look yeah. at the holy land. You are a Christian. How significant is it for you playing in a country like Israel?
1: Yeah, for me, it's big, you know, but the thing is, um, I think I'm opportune. I'm, I'm opportune to be in Israel, you know, because I know a lot of people back home or all over the world, you know, they want to visit Israel, they want to um try to understand things about the country. I'm living there for like three years now. I'm just living my life, you know, playing football every every day and um, you know, trying to improve myself as a as a person, you know, but but the country, Israel as a whole, oh, is they are nice, nice people, nice um nice history in the country, you know, so, you know, me playing in the country for me is something huge.
2: What's your relationship with God? What are your favorite verses,
1: chapters and books in the Holy Bible? Oh, I think um, some one-to-one because that's, I mean, that verse, you know, really helps me a lot because before game, um, when I wake up and, you know, when I try to do things, you know, I always, you know, put my my Bibles, I'm one-to-one, you know, and I pray and I call on God. So that verse for me is like um, everything for me. So I I respect the verse well and I believe, um, you know, everything happening to me today is just God and, you know, me reading that verse and everything so
2: life was difficult for you in portugal you weren't paid your salary yeah. you weren't playing football things were going wrong for you what was your contact with god what was it that you asked from god at that
1: point in time oh uh, well at that time i just asked him to um to help me to to be there for me and i think ever since i started calling on him he's been there for me till today um you no, know, for me, God is everything. You know, I think He has helped me a lot. I know I just don't want to talk about what has happened to me in my career, but I'm happy today. I'm playing regularly. Um, I won my first title as a professional player in Israel, and and I have the chance to win it this year also. So, you know, for me, the past is, is the past. You know, right now I'm, I'm focused. I'm back to the national team, and I hope I can, you know, show the people of Nigerians that I still have a lot of things to, you know, to offer the my nation. And,
0: That's Nigeria's John Ogu, and that chapter in the Bible that he mentioned, Psalm 121, says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Well, Solomon, Nigeria continue to shape up well as they aim to make it to the 2018 World Cup. Their next qualifier is in August against Cameroon. They top their qualifying group and there's also the 2019 Nations Cup qualifiers starting in June. They they have one foot into uh, Russia already, but at the same
3: time there's quite a lot of work to be done. And uh, if you also look at how Nigeria missed the last uh, Afcon Championship in Gabon, uh, I'm sure Nigeria wouldn't want to miss the next Championship, which is going to be happening in Cameroon. Uh, and Cameroon is just next door from Nigeria, where you would expect a lot of football fans from Nigeria to actually drive into Cameroon uh, to support the Super Eagles. And and it's uh, it's a good thing for the Super Eagles and it's technical team and John Ogu definitely has that uh, you know perspective that look help comes from God and, and a lot of the young players in Nigeria that has been uh, you know their, their line where you know there's so much belief in God and so much belief in what God you know can achieve through them in football uh, and they believe God can achieve qualifying Nigeria uh, to the, the 2018 World Cup and the next AFCON in Cameroon you know they could achieve that but they can only achieve that you know through uh, the help that comes from God who is their maker but nigerian team is, is a young team and there's so much uh, vigor there's so much passion so much commitment a very focused team and, and i do hope that that they do well because the the nigerian football fans have uh, missed a
0: lot in the last uh, couple of years so they, they're expecting so much from the super eagles well then so maybe good times ahead for nigeria thanks for that solomon this is planet sport football africa brought to you by passion for sport and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. And you can also listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Now, a while back, we started a series of Stuart's top ten Africans to have ever played in the English Premier League. We haven't done this for a while because there's been so much happening with the Africa Cup of Nations and so on. But let's continue now. And uh, here, Stuart takes us way back to the 1960s and tells us about South African player Albert Johansson.
2: While black and African players are now common in English football, it was not always so. Albert Johansen played 172 games for Leeds United in the 1960s and can really be seen as the pioneer. He is regarded as the first African to play at the top level of football in England. Born in South Africa, he was recommended to Leeds United by his schoolteacher and he developed into a skillful and fast left-winger who scored 48 league goals for Leeds. His career started when Leeds were in what was then called the Second Division, what we would now call the Championship, and he helped Leeds gain promotion to what was then called the First Division and saw them go on to become one of the leading clubs. The season after they were promoted, they finished second in the league and reached the FA Cup final. And in 1968-69, they were champions of Division One and reached the final of the InterCities Fairs Cup, which has now been replaced by the Europa League. So, really, one of the top teams in Europe at that stage. But sadly, Albert's story did not end well. When his career ended and his marriage broke up, he started drinking heavily and became an alcoholic. Of course, in those days, footballers didn't earn the large sums that are common today, and life was a bit of a struggle for Albert. He died in 1995, aged 55, living alone in poverty in a small flat in a tower block in Leeds. To England's shame, racism was rife in football in the early 1960s, and Albert had to endure monkey chants, had bananas thrown at him, but by all accounts, He handled it all with dignity and just got on with his game. Manchester United legend George Best was a contemporary and said, Albert was actually a really brave man to continue to go on the pitch in the first place with all that happening. But he just went out and did it. He had a lot of skill and was such a nice man as well. There's one funny story about Albert having grown up under the rigid apartheid of South Africa. He was initially unsure when he came to Leeds if it was okay for him to get into the communal bath with his white colleagues. They reacted by stripping him and throwing him into the bath. A strange welcome, perhaps, but it certainly made him feel part of the team. A newspaper obituary described him as a left winger whose explosive pace and bewitching sidestep and knack of scoring goals made him one of the most effective contributors to the revival of Leeds United. His team captain, Bobby Collins, said he could fly and if I put the ball in a spot for him, no one would catch him. While he didn't realise at the time, he was a pioneer and a trailblazer who opened the door for hundreds of black players. But he will be forever remembered as the first African to play successfully at the top level in England and the first black player to play in an FA Cup final.
0: Well, thanks, Stuart. What a fascinating piece of history. Albert Johansson, the South African, a pioneer of African players in England, are playing back in the 1960s. And now we turn to social media. And on last week's show, we focused on the CAF Champions League, with the 16 places in the expanded group stage having now been decided. Surprisingly, only one West African team made it. That's Cotton Spore of Cameroon. Now, last year, the group stage had eight teams and two were from West Africa. So we ask now, with one out of 16 from West Africa, is there cause for concern for club football in that part of the continent? To Facebook first, and Lamine Yusufa-Kole says, definitely, West African teams are not doing so well in the CAF Champions League, especially the team from my country, the Gambia. Meanwhile, teams from the northern part of Africa do wonders because they have all it takes to build a good team. Their teams have always been supported well financially. Lamine Jadama, also in the Gambia, says, ''I just think West African teams lack the funds and maybe their players are not as motivated as in other parts of the continent. We have to work hard and help our young players so that one day we can dominate.'' To What's Up and Ishmael Saidu Kanu in Sierra Leone doesn't believe that there's a particular problem for West African teams. He says, I don't think there should be cause for concern. West African teams have been doing well, it's just that they need to step up a bit to meet the level, but they have always been doing well. The other regions also faced similar problems years back, so it's just catching up with them, says Ishmael. Saiku Balde in The Gambia says, yes, it's a concern because there is a lack of funds to encourage young footballers. Most of these West African clubs don't have enough money, especially in my country. If you see how much our first division clubs pay their players, you'd want to cry. It's so sad they have just enough money to buy a bag of rice for their families. And Saiku continues uh, saying, I'm a third division footballer and I'm always discouraged because we're not motivated, but that doesn't make me want to give up because I'm born to play football. It's my passion. Thanks for that, Saiku. Amalai Oyake in the United States says, yes, West African clubs have great players, but they do poorly in the Champions League. Obina is in Nigeria, and remember, Nigeria don't have any teams in the last 16 of the Champions League. He says, yes, that is a cause for concern. The North Africans have been on top of the CAF Champions League for some time now, says Obina, understandably because many of their best players are based with clubs at home. Recently, the Southern Africans have followed suit, but the same cannot be said of the West Africans because we feel the best players should play in the best teams in Europe, so we do more to export our talent. It's good to hear from Yusufa Jame in The Gambia, commenting on the show for the first time. And Yusufa says, in West Africa, there are a lot of talented players, but the problem is the lack of quality management and financial support. And Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone agrees. Yes, there is cause for concern, says Jesse. The reason why the West African teams haven't been doing well in recent competitions is because of the authorities and lack of sponsorship. The authorities have not been doing their job to see that the players have good salaries and to upgrade the leagues. If we put good measures in place, I think we can make it next time, says Jesse. Here's another perspective now from West Africa, and Anderful abe says, Yes, there's cause for concern, especially in my country, Ghana. When clubs here don't even qualify for the CAF Champions League, it is cause for concern. The FA doesn't support the clubs and they are therefore making it very difficult for the clubs to go further. Thanks for that to Anderfull and imagine those famous teams from Ghana like Asante Kotoko and Hearts of Oak not featuring much these days in the Champions League. Alfred Mdimba is in Malawi, and Alfred says, yes, this is a concern. The West African clubs must work this out if we want African football to develop. Ebrima Amber Barrow got in touch from Palermo in Italy. That's really not good for clubs in West Africa, says Ebrima. I'm really looking forward to seeing club teams in my country, the Gambia, performing well in the competition, but it's not happening. It's so bad indeed for Gambian football. And GAs from The Gambia says, yes, of course, there is cause for concern for West Africa because of the lack of finances, which is a problem that some West African clubs have. And let's give a final word on a WhatsApp voice note from Ebrima Kante.
3: Now, teams are not giving that support in West Africa like the teams in North Africa are. If you look at teams in North Africa, they are financially very strong, far more stronger than the West African teams. And it counts in Africa. The financial background of the team, it counts a lot in the competition.
0: Thanks, Ebrema. Thanks so much for all of those contributions. Let's hope that uh, next time in the CAF Champions League, there'll be a better representation from West African clubs. Well, next up on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, let's focus on European football. Stuart Weir is with us. Uh, Stuart, no English Premier League games last weekend, but... An interesting race in the second-tier championship where clubs are aiming to gain promotion to the Premier League. Let's start with Newcastle, who are top
2: of the table. And, of course, they have got Christian Atsu, the Ghanaian player. Now, we've talked about him before. He's an interesting character. He's played over 50 times for Ghana, but has never really established himself at club level. Now, technically, he's still a Chelsea player, having signed for Chelsea from Porto, in 2013-14 season, but he never actually played for Chelsea. He's been out on loan to Vitesse in Netherlands, to Everton, to Bournemouth, to Malaga in Spain, but never really established himself. But he's having a good season with Newcastle. He started 10 games, come off the bench 15 times, scored three goals and doing really well for Newcastle. So great to see his career taking off. And Talking of Newcastle, of course, they've also got Mohamed Diame from Senegal and Chancel Mbemba from DR Congo. And so that's uh, three Africans potentially coming into the premiership if Newcastle keep their form going. In second place, we've got Brighton and Hove Albion. And they've got a Cameroon player, Geton Bong. And uh, he's played most of their games this season. He's been in Brighton for two years previously played in France and in Greece. And Brighton, this will be the first time they were ever in the Premier League if that comes off. And then, of course, there's Mudo the Gambian, playing at Leeds United. And I'm afraid he has yet to get a start at Leeds. I mean, Leeds are winning most of their games, so he's just finding it hard to break in. He's come off the bench four times, but as I say, not yet got a start. Now, Motors had a strange career because while he was at Swansea for four years, they had six different managers. And his first manager, the one who signed him, Gary Monk, is now his manager at Leeds United. But there was also Alan Curtis, Francesco Guidolin, Bob Bradley, Alan Curtis again, and Paul Clement. And ironically Bob Bradley, the American who only lasted a few months, was the one who gave him most of his games because you know this season he got 12 starts, which is significantly more than he's ever had before. But then Bradley was fired, Paul Clement really didn't seem to rate Modo and he wasn't playing, so therefore he decided to move to Leeds. So Leeds, if the season ended tomorrow, would be in the playoffs and so that's
0: another chance for Modu to get back into the Premier League. Well a shame for Modu Barrow not getting much action at Leeds United and our question on WhatsApp and on Facebook this week is which teams do you think will win promotion to the English Premier League as a Stewart says there Newcastle topping the championship with Christian Atu in their squad Brighton second and those in the picture in the playoff places include Modu Barrow's Leeds United so tell us which teams are you hoping will be promoted to the Premier League at the end of the season our facebook page is planet sport football africa you can post a comment there or send us a whatsapp to +447955232780 That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who are you hoping will be promoted to the English Premier League this season? And Stuart, we had World Cup qualifiers in Europe last weekend. How's it shaping up there? Well, we're halfway through the World Cup qualifying stage. And
2: amazingly, there are 11 European teams who are still unbeaten. Now, some of the usual suspects, Germany, England. Belgium, for example, look well on their way to qualification. The two most intriguing groups are Group D, where Serbia and Ireland are joined top, and Group G, where Spain and Italy go head-to-head. They're both unbeaten at the moment, but of course only one of them can win the group and gain the automatic qualification, with the runner-up having to go into a playoff. Netherlands, traditionally one of the strongest European nations, have only won two of their five games, and look in real danger of not qualifying for Russia. And at the weekend, Netherlands fired their coach, Danny Blint, after they lost to Bulgaria. And Danny Blint, of course, is the father of the Manchester United player, Dilly Blint.
0: Well, so the Netherlands are in real trouble. We've talked about uh, video technology a few times on the programme in recent weeks and uh, the trials with video assistant refereeing continue in certain games and uh, there was one game where Spain won 2-0 away to France in a friendly and video technology was used to correct two wrong decisions there. Antoine Griezmann had a goal ruled out by a video assistant referee for offside and Spain's second goal was awarded by the video Official after an assistant referee wrongly flagged for offside. Well, the first decision took 30 seconds and the second one took a minute to sort out. And that's uh, what opponents of this video technology say is the problem with this system, which continues to be trialed. Now, Stuart, uh, we have so much hiring and firing of coaches these days all around the world, and you've taken England as a case study and a very interesting conclusion. Um, Steve, I
2: recently came across some fascinating statistics comparing previous England managers. Now, I would say that popular opinion thinks that Graham Taylor and Steve McLaren and Glenn Hoddle, Fabio Capella and Roy Hudson were fairly unsuccessful as England managers, while, say, Bobby Robson, who took England to the World Cup semi-final, was successful. But if you look simply at the percentages of games lost, the figures make really interesting reading. The most successful is Fabio Capello, who lost only 14% of the games. Then Roy Hudson lost 16%. Stephen was the lowest, losing 28%. But all the others are between 18 and 22% losses. Now, of course, this doesn't distinguish championship games from friendlies. But the surprising conclusion is that most England teams win four out of five games, irrespective of who the manager is. So perhaps managers don't make as much difference to team performance as we all like to think. Hmm, an interesting thought.
0: <laughs> well, that's an interesting discovery there. I don't know if everybody would agree with that. However, uh, thanks a lot for that, Stuart. And that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and on WhatsApp, we're asking which teams are you hoping will be promoted to the English Premier League in the Championship? Newcastle atop. They have Ghana's Christian Atsu among their African players, along with Senegal's Mohamed Diame. Bright in a second, they have Cameroon defender Gaitan Bong. Also in the picture are Leeds United with Gambian winger Modu Barrow. So who are you hoping will be promoted? Go on to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. You can post a message there or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.